You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. It is so good to be together, even though we're not actually together in person. What a delight it is at least to come together like this. How are you finding it all? Yeah, I've kind of wondered that. For some of you, I know this is a really, really challenging time. The prospect of losing employment, the processing of loss and grief. For some of you, just finding now you're moving into a time of frustration. Some of you having good days and bad days. And yet others of you, you know, you've washed the car three times and you've mowed the lawn, tidied the loft, the garage and the shed, and you're moving towards the 5,000 piece jigsaw, working out what else there is still to watch on Netflix and considering you now get Disney Plus as well. Some of you working out how to cut your hair and now wondering if maybe it's a good thing that you don't see people for a few weeks. You know, actually, I think for some of you, I've sensed there's just been a real change in the dynamic, like almost a spiritual ramping up, a sense of a real tension and a battle. And I see that for some of you. I think some of what we're facing can be seen more easily and more clearly when we look at the journey of others in other parts of the world, I think it's really interesting because we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Can I say that again? Because I think for some of you just even realizing and acknowledging that might be quite liberating. We can't just compare like for like. We're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Some of you are living with the inconvenience of staying home and missing friends, but some of you are feeling shipwrecked honestly emotionally and spiritually or financially or a combination of all three and others as well have you experienced online fatigue you know and irritability there's no fever or cold or body ache necessary just the normal run-of-the-mill symptoms of social distancing mostly people are describing at the minute more and more just at the end of the day they're absolutely exhausted compared to what their lives were like three weeks ago. I've read some fascinating studies on it. It's partly the same because normally we use 85 to 90% of our body in how we speak. So the non-verbal cues of eye contact and tone of voice and facial expressions and body language and gestures, timing, the intensity of responses are all the body's portion of what it means to actually be with others. And so to communicate that um, in what we're experiencing. Now, to try and do that online in the same way is borderline impossible and exhausting too. And therefore, we're seeing each other online, but we weren't created for it to be this way. We were created to actually be with each other. Whilst we know this, that whilst we know that we're in this for a while, and when we do come back together, it might look quite different for a season. Goodness me, I, I just can't wait to see you. Honestly, that's how I feel. We're currently asking our bodies to act and respond in ways that they just weren't designed to. Now that might sound a bit depressing, but actually there's some really good news wrapped up with all of this. I want to encourage us to use this time to practice his presence. Spend time in the presence of Jesus in ways that previously we might have missed. We might have had distractions from it, every distraction under the sun to rob us from time with the sun. 
And you sure did that. I know if I was with you in person, somebody would have heckled me for, for that one. But, you know, over Easter, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrated his living, manifest presence among us. Whether you have gritted teeth and are just trying to get through this time, or whether you are finding elements of this season quite refreshing and replenishing, I just want to encourage us to, to prioritise time in the presence of God. Let's use this season for that. In fact, let's use every season for that. But to filter what we're watching, what we're listening to, to ensure that the dominant voice in our life is the voice of Jesus, to know our limits and to be kind for ourselves. Yeah, I just had two barbecues in two days this week and I've got more on the way planned. In many ways, that's, that's nothing new and that's fair, fairly normal behaviour. I said this week it's barbecue weather to our daughter and she's like, what, what does that even mean? You say that every day of the year. But you know, honestly, I love them. Many of the things that you find replenishing may have been snatched from your reach, but what is replenishing to you? But ultimately, Jesus is replenishing to us and honestly he wants it to be him and the reality is that really it can only be him because it's only he that can really replenish sustain encourage and champion and strengthen and restore us and if we as a nation if we as a world if we as a church if we as individuals discover nothing else in this time, I'm praying that that's what our eyes would be open to, that we need Jesus, the living manifest presence of God among us that stills our worries and silences, our fears. Has this week been hard? Has this week been hard for you? It's okay for that to be the case. You know, I watched another video this week online, kind of a classic one. You know, someone sent it to me. It's got nothing to do with anything and you wouldn't normally watch it in any time, let alone this one, but I probably would actually because I like a bit of drama and a bit of a crisis, but there's a, there's a dog that was stranded right on the edge of a cliff in a ravine, like there's blood water pumping down it, flowing really quickly, and this dog is in danger. And this random guy kind of climbs down this huge um, concrete embankment, and it's not even his dog and he, he tries to wade out and try and rescue this dog and honestly it's kind of ridiculous because he's risking life and limb and if I'm honest he, he's kind of we're lucky that it didn't end up way worse than it could have but he manages somehow to get to the to the dog and then he manages to get the dog and himself to the side and as he tries to get up the the side of this uh, concrete um, bank with the water belting against him he, he can't get up it. He just slips back in time and time and time again. And if, if it wasn't really dangerous, it'd kind of be really funny. But anyway, another bystander, seeing the increased stakes, grabs the hold of the railing at the top of this embankment, and he tries to reach down and grab the guy and the dog. Now, honestly, if you could see it, it's never going to happen. There's like five, maybe six meters between them. It's just no chance and anyway another guy now joins in and they start to form a human chain from the top of the barrier and kind of leaning down trying to grab this guy and the dog and still like literally no chance then another guy joins in and it kind of gets fairly comical now because they're still a long way from reaching the guy and the dog but the guy with the dog and it isn't even his dog has kind of taken to, to making lunges to get up to the, the guy stretching down to him and almost trying to like propel the dog 
up towards this human chain that's forming. Now, for those of you that wonder about this kind of thing, and you're like, oh, what's, what, Paul, what are you actually saying here? This was real life. It's not a stunt in any way. And as far as I can tell, the dog wasn't injured in any way. But even if it had been, it probably wasn't going to make it if it was just left in the water. But anyway, this, this goes on like five or six times. This guy trying to like launch the dog towards them and he's trying to launch himself as well. Until another guy joins in and bridges the gap and it allows somehow this dog to kind of scramble up the human chain and they bundle it up. And then this nutter who's risked his life and limb, he's also able, like they drag him somehow to safety. Now, I'd love you to see the video. I don't know, I'd share it with you. Um, but can I make a cheesy but timely illustration? If we were in person, there is absolutely no way you'd get, let me get away with an illustration like this. You'd be like, Paul, it's too cheesy. You need to stop right now. But the guy going after the dog felt a little bit like Jesus. You know, sometimes we can get ourselves where we just feel too lost, too alone. We've wandered off path. We're in too much trouble and too much danger. And there's no way back. Kind of a bit like the dog, spiritually, emotionally, you know, all the swirling pressures and anxieties of a time like this, you can feel quite overwhelmed. But nothing and no one is too much for him. Nothing and no one is beyond the grace of God. He'd go after the one sheep, leaving the 99 in the place of safety and comfort to go after the one. The human chain, I loved it because we get to play our part more than ever. Well, you know, we're not, we're not trying to create online church that satisfies our needs, that will fully meet who we are and who we're called to be. I am busting a gut to be back with you, to see you, to laugh with you, to cry with you, to look you in the eye and to see whether it's joy or pain that you're walking through and to walk through it with you. But we don't have to be together to be the human chain. You know, one of you said, to me this week, he said, I feel so special to be part of a church that extends so much further than the building we meet in. Praise God, you know, let that be so. I love seeing the church be the church in these times. I love small groups. You know, they've, they've always kind of been the lifeblood. They're the springboard, the place that brings us connection. We are and our small group leaders are doing our best in this time, but honestly, we can't wait to be back together, to be in living rooms and to be around dining tables and to, to be sat around the chimney late at night chatting about life and doing life alongside each other and drawing others into that. Do you know what I mean? Like the heart connections, the real, genuine, vulnerable place of relationship building. I pray as we step towards that again, I pray more than ever that we would come to realize what we have and realize who we have, because we have Jesus. Not only do we have him and know him, but he is the one that holds us together, allowing us to tolerate our differences, our pains, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, and weaving us together into an army, a body, and a family. You know, just before I kind of launch in today to talking about what I feel the Lord put on, my heart for us, well, most of you are like, hang on a minute, you've not launched in yet. What are you going on about? But I just wanted to share something with you that Steph and I are hoping to launch this week with your help. We believe deeply in the 422 project, the restoration of a building to help facilitate the restoration 
of a community, the desire to put the living room of the church in the heart of the city where child poverty is at one of its highest rates, not just in the city, but in the country, and to do something about that. If prior to this virus, that was the case, how much more devastating is it now as a result of this? And what is the ongoing long-term impact? It's increasing and it's only going to get more significant. And we need to do something about that. We're aware that we need to move harder and we need to move faster. We need to try and get momentum to help serve that area of the city faster in the days ahead. And I talked to Farah a bit about this last week, but today, I hope it will be today. It might have to be someday this week, but we're hoping we're going to launch the one pound challenge. We're going to try and ask 100,000 people for a pound. We want to ask 100,000 people for a pound. With an extra 100,000 people, we could move a lot quicker than we're currently able to. Some people may, of course, give way more than a pound, but we'd love to create and stir awareness of what we're doing. In the same way that we've asked people to join us in filling the van and asking neighbours, colleagues, friends, families who hear the heartbeat of who we are and what we're about through that, we want to love and serve the most marginalised and vulnerable in this city. We believe with your help, we could do this and it would massively add to everything that as a church we've already given and sacrificed to get this far. So we're not asking you for money, we're asking you, could you ask friends, family, neighbours, colleagues to give a pound and to buy in to the heartbeat of what we're doing. Now, I've, who could you share it with? I've already made a list of schools and footballers and counsellors and neighbours and friends. I want them to know God's heart for the poor. I want them to know that, the, you know, those living in child poverty don't have a voice for themselves, but that's who God's heart is for. And we can step into that place and help them. And they can join us in this time and that we want to do something about it. You know, this afternoon, hopefully, if not sometime this week, we'll turn a crowdfunding page public and we'd love your help to try and turn that viral. This really feels quite exciting because this is an opportunity to ask our city to join with us, to ask people in this country to join with us and potentially people all over the world in doing this. I feel nervous like I have when we've done things like this before, but I feel excited because I believe this is another just chapter in our story of what God might do among us. But for that to work, we need your help. Will you help us share the one pound challenge? Is that okay? Feels an amazing time, an amazing opportunity, but also a much needed thing that needs to happen. We need to provide for that area in that community more so, particularly in the days ahead. Well, today I'd love just to have a brief chat about being empowered. You know, last week we looked at what it might look like to be prepared for what's ahead. Today I wanna to look at what it might look like to be empowered for what's ahead. This could be such an equipping time for us if we allow it. I was pondering this and I'd love to do like almost a mini series on the people we are and the movement we're part of. I think it's really important. We're not trying just to be a crowd for the sake of it, but we're people who are on a mission. And today before I jump in, I just actually wanted to say something that might sound a bit intense and I pondered it and I've not managed to talk myself out of it. Some of you are panicking, don't, don't panic. It might actually reframe your lives completely, but I don't think we need to panic about it. But I am more convinced than ever. I am more convinced than ever, not that I ever needed convincing, but God has called us to this city for this time 
to be his people collectively as the church, carry out, carrying out his purposes in the way that we are. Now, not being with many of you has only emphasized the depth and the longing to be back with you. And, and times like this can really refine and strengthen our passion. We are meant to be relational people gathered together to then scatter together to love and serve the city. Now, here's, here's the intense pit, if, if it is intense, maybe it isn't, but honestly, we'd love to invite some of you who are watching today to join with us. You might have joined us for a few weeks, maybe online, but when all of this social distancing lifts, come and join us in person. You know, we have a mandate to crack on with, and the Lord may have purposed it that you be part of it. Now, I know what I'm asking. For some of you, that might mean making a solid commitment to be part of this. For some of you, it might mean selling up houses and moving areas. I, I, just saying, really. It's not a pressure thing. But sometimes I think you need to see the open door to realize that you can walk through it. We've got to know you to grow you. I don't mean just Steph and I personally, but as a church, to grow you, we have to know you and you have to know us. For some of you, it might be something like doing our 4-1, the intentional year of discipleship. You can find the details of that at the website, but I really felt it's just a moment to call some of you into this. This isn't what we want to do. We don't want to do online church. We want to do genuine, real relationship and be the hands and feet of Jesus to have an impact on this city. And we're doing the best we can in this time. But I believe there is so much more to come and the need is now so much greater and the opportunities for us to walk into will be greater than ever before. And we need each of us in our place to fulfill that. Now, let's, let's just um, forgive me if that's intense, but I could not ask it. I just felt it stirring on my heart. But let's crack on with a chat about being empowered. Honestly, empowered is such a powerful word for the people we are and the movement we're part of. There's a real danger in church environments that people can think there's barriers, there's restrictions on their growth and their involvement. But we've, you know, we've always been really about direction of travel. Are you seeking to move towards Jesus and to grow in understanding of him and to become more like him? Are you seeking out the vision and the values of who we are and what we're about? Well, you need to know that as a church, we are seeking to find ways to empower you. I think that's really important. You know that one of the dangers that we all face is that we're overfed and underused. We can become overfed and underused. But the kingdom of God, extending the reign and rule of God here on earth, isn't about us just filling ourselves with greater input and knowledge. It's about living out our faith practically and engaging with it. And for us to do that as a body, we come together to fulfill a function. You know, I was, um, I, I kind of touched a bit on this last week when I talked about taking our place. But for us to be all that we could be and all that we're called to be, each of us needs to take our place. Now, there'll be loads of barriers to that and we've just got to work out and dismantle them and remove them. But, you know, some of them would be, you, you don't, well, just, I don't want to. You know, that, that could be a barrier. Or we've got other things that we prioritize and put at the top of our, our list. Now, there, some of those things, you, you, you'll work them out. You'll work them out over time and the Lord will speak into them and as you allow others into that. But it's really hard to turn a parked car. You know, once it's moving, it's a lot more easy to direct it and to shape it. So if the obstacles 
and the obstacle is that you don't think you can, well, that's what I really want to speak into a little bit today and give a bit of encouragement around. Because the vineyard has always used this phrase, I love it, really, but it's everybody gets to play. Now, what that doesn't mean is everybody gets to do everything because that'd kind of be daft and it would really lack wisdom and it wouldn't get the best out of any of us. But each of us gets to play our part in what God wants us to do. And we long to empower you. We're a church that longs to empower people in whatever setting or environment that is. Yes, of course, the church, but also in life and all that you're involved in and doing to be the best school teacher you could be, to be the best accountant, to be the best whatever it might be, you know, to be the best spouse, to be the best parent, to be the best you kind of fill in what it is for you. The, the things you're involved in and doing and living out in the workplaces and staying at home, whatever it is, to be the best at that, to be empowered for the, for the ministry of Jesus, to live out the ministry of Jesus in your life right now, not watching, not spectating and seeing just a few of us and letting them crack on with it. Now, a few of us may prefer to spectate rather than participate. And I actually tell you, it is, it's, I'll tell you this for free, it's far easier to do that. It can actually be quite fun to watch others do it rather than do it ourselves. But the sad reality is that totally underutilizes the God-given gifting and has been in our place and the place and the part of the body. And it robs the church of the fullness of having you thrive and live out all God has for you. And now at its absolute worst, it can also be the place when we're spectating that we start to criticize Others. The Apostle Paul, I don't think, really gave the option to be a spectator. He draws us towards being participants and invites everybody into the fullness. Honestly, it's not okay for us to be a church where just a few people are doing things. The passage I read last week in Luke 4 says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. We'd kind of do well to see that all of us as our job description. That's our job description. That's the stuff that we're to crack on with. We all get to do this. You know, when it comes to healing the sick and casting out darkness and caring for the brokenhearted. Because God isn't looking for some superstars with great spiritual prowess, but he's looking for everyday people who will humbly act in obedience to Jesus' transferable commission to go, to go, to go, to go. It's always to go, to pray for the sick, to cast out darkness, to love people, to find people, to love people who are looking for Jesus and to help them. And I think there's two ways that I just want to, unpick this a little bit today there's two things that I believe are fairly key one is knowing that you're believed in and the second is knowing who we are not so the first one knowing um, that you're believed in Jesus right at the start of his earthly ministry was publicly affirmed by his father and it is so powerful and it is so important Matthew 3 16 after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him and a voice from heaven said this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy at the start of Jesus's ministry that's what he hears he's affirmed this is my son whom I love and who brings me great joy so anything is about to do going forward he knows he's loved 
and other people know who he belongs to. It's a remarkable thing. It brings remarkable security. You know, 15 or 16 years ago, someone was praying for me at the vineyard church we were in at the time, and we're going into a ministry time, and he was about to start praying for me, and he held both of my hands, and he said, Paul, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. So powerful. You know, that moment still sits with me now. In fact, without trying to give away who it is, they're actually in Manchester Vineyard now. They didn't just say it. They kind of meant it. In fact, just before we planted, they did virtually the same thing again. It really hit me both times. A belief is a powerful thing. It really is. Affirmation is a powerful thing. Can I say this to you this morning? You're in a church that believes in you. I want to say that kind of from the outset. I'm not interested in the things that you would feel are buried and the things that would change me saying that if you thought I knew them. Now, I'm not saying I'm not interested in those things because I am, and we are. But what I'm saying is it changes nothing because you are loved and you are believed in. Now, I say that in the human. There'll be many, many more people in the church who would say that as they get to know you. And them as you, you know, as you, as you form the family bonds of being church together. That's not saying, hey, stay as you are forever. We don't, we, don't, we don't say that. But it's saying, hey, you belong. Come as you are. And the more you see and understand of Jesus, you, you kind of can't not be changed. Because he's in the people changing business. That's what he does. But he makes us more like him and our role really is to follow him into that i hope that's empowering for you to hear that but again of course i say all of that in the human and whilst that's important you hear that and we live in that first and foremost the place we need to hear it and for it to be rooted in us is hearing it from the father can i ask you do you know that and have you heard that have you received that have you allowed yourself to receive that. Do you know that 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 the Father loves you? Because if not, you'll be fighting for love. You'll be wrestling with life and with others. You'll be trying to find it in other places and those places, you know, actually many of them currently have been stripped back. It's such a settling and steadying thing to know that you're loved unconditionally not because of what you have or haven't done but because that's who he is that's what he's about it's about what he's done romans 8:38 a number of you will be familiar with this it says i'm convinced that nothing can separate us from god's love neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow what a powerful thing to reflect on and ponder in this season neither our fears for today nor our war, uh, worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In the same way that hurt people hurt people, freed people free people. As you become free, you will free others. When we know and understand the love of God, and the affirmation we can know and we can find in him, we're free to give it away to others and to release and empower without it becoming about us, our identity, or having to have a need met in us. Do you know the, power, the message, the, um, a paraphrased version of the Bible 
rephrases Romans 8, that passage I just read like this, and I love it. It says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced. Why? Because of Jesus, our master, and how he's embraced us. Do you know that love? Because that's going to empower you and empower you to empower others. Just, you know, as you reflect on that, maybe something else as aside from that, something to reflect on. Sometimes we try and do all of this overnight. He loves me. Give me it all. I'm ready. You know, let me loose. Here I go. Imagine Jesus, the saviour of the world, working in a small town carpenter's shop until he was 30. You know, it seems kind of incredible, really, that Jesus would have been content to remain in Nazareth all that time but he patiently trusted his father's timing for his life and ministry. In fact, 30 was the prescribed age for priests to begin their ministry. That's what we see in Numbers chapter 4. Joseph was 30 years old when he began serving the king in Egypt. That's what we see in Genesis 41. David was 30 years old when he began to reign over Judah. That's what we see in 2 Samuel. Now, 30 was seen as a good age to begin an important task in Jewish culture. Now, what I'm not trying to Say is if you're under 30, hey, you need to press pause. And if you're over 30, hey, you missed it. And if you're 30, well, like, well, hello, you know, this is, this is your year. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to say, like Jesus, I think we need to resist the temptation to jump ahead before receiving the Spirit's direction. Are you waiting and wondering what it is? to be fully empowered in your next step. We don't, we don't need to jump ahead with that. We can trust God's timing because empowerment is a process. We take steps towards all that God has for us. And the fullness of that will come in our obedience to him and the realization that character is always more than gifting. He wants to shape us, to change us, to mold us, to make us more like him. And rather than seeing that in somebody else, we need to absorb it and own it for ourselves and to become more like him and realize he wants to shape us. He wants to change us. And it's a journey. But I want to say this, take that step, step in rather than stand still and spectate. You remember I said there's two really key things, I think, to this empowerment thing. One is knowing that you're believed in. I hope you hear that. I hope you realize that. I hope you can hear that directly from the Father. And the second is knowing who we're not. Let's just have a quick look at knowing who we're not. Because really the job description of the Savior, of Lord, is taken. Our role is purely to point others and point ourselves towards him. Now, personally, I've got to say, I find that incredibly freeing. I don't need to work or strive at anything or to try and be something. He's it, not me. He's the one not me. Now, I think we're in an amazing season and opportunity to refine this reality. Everything we might previously have been able to build or construct our confidence on has been pulled from us, and we are able to come to the realization of how weak, just how weak, we really are, and what in life really matters. Now, when we come to realize all we need, all we are, and 
basically all we have, everything, our whole life orientation is about him rather than us, we actually come to a place of strength because all the time we think we've got it, we can do it, you know, we actually miss out on the reality of God's best for us and his provision through us. 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need, he said. My power works best in weakness, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why am I strong? What's that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Why do we become strong when we're weak? Well, because then our dependency is on God, not on us. When I'm dependent on God, I can release and empower others to step into what God has for them. Do you see, do you see that? Do you see what I mean? James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but favours the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Now that's even stronger wording. I would say, I don't want to be somebody who is opposed by God. I want to live in and walk in his favour over my life. And I do that by coming to the realisation that my strength comes through the acknowledgement of it's him, it's him, it's him. It's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's him. You see what I'm saying? Now for those of you that would, that, that would say, yeah, I kind of, I do see that, but I'm not sure what I have to offer. What is it that is empowered in me? You know, you talk about, take your place, but honestly, I don't, I don't really have much to offer. I can see it in others, but I can't see it in myself. Can I, can I say a few things about that? Firstly, offer what you have. Honestly, just offer him you and your heart. Jesus has a history. Jesus really has a track record of multiplying what we offer. He wants our availability rather than our ability. Do you see what I'm saying in that? Because he, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. 1 Corinthians 1.26, remember dear brothers and sisters that a few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful, sorry, that remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. In your weakness, you find strength because your dependence is in him, not in yourself. Remember, when you read Acts 4, it says this, the members of the council were amazed. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. What qualifies us, what empowers us, what equips us, is not us. It's the mark of the Father. It's knowing and receiving his love and affirmation and then being willing to, in our weakness, offer all we have and letting him empower us to be vessels filled with his glory and for his glory. This is an amazing time for that. Sometimes where we've built a human structure, a man-made structure of dependence on us and our personality and ability and the things we can do and offer and bring, sometimes it gets leveled. And we realize really we're weak, but in him and dependence on him, we're strong and he can move through us and bless it. I hope that's helpful for you. You know, I really do. I hope this is a timely message for you. Let me finish by saying this, and this is important. We believe in you. We want to cheer you on. 
to understand and to live out all that he believes and affirms in you. And we're excited for what that might be and how that might look. Let me just pray for us. Is that okay? I wonder if we just spend some time now, just open ourselves to the presence of God. Dwell and rest in his spirit. You might want to close your eyes or um, hold out your hands, but let's just place aside some of the distractions we can find in these moments. These are precious time where we want to say, Lord, meet with me, empower me, strengthen me, enable me to become more like you. So why don't we do that? Father, I just want to invite you now through the power of your Holy Spirit. I think for some of you, there'll be a moment of coming to the knowledge of the love of God for the first time. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus. You might want to pray something like, Lord, I just come to you this morning. To acknowledge my need of you, I want to say sorry and turn from all of the things and ways of living that put a barrier between me and you. And I want to turn, you turn completely and say, come and live in me for the power of your Holy Spirit. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. Teach me what that means and what that looks like. If you say something like that, do something like that, we'd love you to let us know. We've got a few resources we'd love to give you. But for all of us, let's just rest in his presence. I believe for some of you now, there's a real moment of just the affirmation, the love of God. You may never have had it rest on you or settle on you like this. You'll have had barriers and hurts and put up walls and all sorts and I believe for some of you you may never have heard this in an earthly setting you may never have heard the love and the affirmation you know you might not have received it from parents or grandparents or family members or in the workplace whatever it is nobody's affirmed you but regardless of an earthly affirmation I just want to ask that the presence of the living God the affirmation of the Father that whatever would cloud that or block that would be removed that you now it's almost like as Jesus came out of the water he just said the words you are my son and I love you and you bring me great joy would you hear that would you have a down payment of that now from the father over your life and on your life spirit of God speak that truth over us I'm not trying to rush that I think for some of you this is quite a painful moment this is quite hard you've been battered and bruised by life over there nobody's ever said that you've never realized that and as much as I say it I just want you to hear it from the father good and perfect father and this that's never ended that goes far deeper just let deep cry out to deep let our souls yearn for that now father speak into that minister to us all of us need to hear it more Lord let us receive it Lord I pray for an empowerment over us now Particularly in this time, would your Holy Spirit equip us and empower us? Would you come and bring a comforting and a strengthening in it? You're the counsellor. You're our great counsellor. Come and counsel us. Come and minister to us. Jesus, we need you. Just rest in his presence. I, I just feel for some of you, you've, this has been a really hard week. You know, it started as a crisis and getting through it, but this week was a bit of a turning point, spiritually as well. Been really hard for you. That's okay. But the, the place to be ministered to is in the arms of Jesus. I pray now that he meets with you. 
cheers you on again, says let's go again. Lift some of the weights and burdens and pains from it. Comes and restores. Breathes a new hope and life into this moment. Lord, would you do that? I just feel some of you, there's like a, I don't know if this is physical or spiritual, but there's like a knot in your stomach. It's like you just feel quite, it's like churned up, tied up. Lord, I pray for a release of that. For some of you, actually, it is a physical thing. It's like an IBS or a, I'm not sure, actually. I think you would know, but Lord, bring your, I speak to that now and I pray for healing and I pray for a release. I pray release of the tension spiritually and physically that you would be well and healed in the name of Jesus with the authority he gives us. Jesus, bring it now, I pray. Release your healing power. I'd encourage you, don't rush from this place. Sit in the arms of your Father. Some of you might want to phone someone in a small group or have them pray with you, minister with you. You can email us, WhatsApp us as a church. There's a team of people who have been praying for you this morning and would love to pray with you now. Don't miss these moments. I don't want to rush what he's doing in your life. We'll, we'll play some gentle music and just sit in his arms for as, as, long, as, you, as long as you want just allowing him to minister to you. But I bless you this morning, I bless you. Bless your spirit. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.